0: Good advertising makes the hospital look smart. Great advertising makes the patient feel smart. Yeah, I know it's good. Go ahead, write that down. And the man that's going to tell us about that and share many more useful marketing tips is Mark Mathis of Amperage Marketing and Fundraising. And he is my guest as we talk about service line marketing on this episode of Marketing Mouths. What, 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 what? What's the rule around here? Work hard? Play hard. I have eight different bosses right now. Uh, beg your pardon? Eight bosses. Eight, eight, Bob. What I work late? You work late. But I
1: made the two months ago. I care. Fresh off the lips of health marketing experts, this is Marketing Mouths, and now here's Bill Clapperoff. Taking what they're giving, cause I'm working for a living. Mm-hmm,
0: that's right. Welcome to the Marketing Mouths podcast, episode number eleven. Many marketing professionals at hospitals are overworked and understaffed, and in the fast-paced competitive world of hospital marketing, it can be hard to keep up. So our mission is to bring you marketing, PR, and social media experts, IT pros, and other guests with information and insights to help you stay on top of your game. With me today is Mark Mathis, the founding partner and chief creative and strategy officer of Amperage Marketing and Fundraising. Amperage is a 50-person full-service agency with their principal focus in digital marketing, Primarily in the healthcare space. Mark has published two books in his blog, The One Minute Marketer, just celebrated its 900th blog post. And today we're going to talk about service line marketing and in full transparency. Um, Mark is my brother in law. And when we're not talking about service line marketing, we're talking about wine, barbecue, and planning trips to Las Vegas. Do I about have that right, Mark?
1: I think so. I'm not sure we ever cover any other subjects.
0: <laughs> Very true. Well, Mark, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. And before we dig in, can you quickly fill in the blanks on your career? How did you come to specialize in healthcare marketing at Amperage?
1: Well, it, it really started in a hospital. Uh, that was one of my first jobs was uh, being a PR person. And I started the hospital foundation many, many years ago. Um, and ever since I've worked, no matter where I was, uh, worked in healthcare. Uh, when I was at a TV station, we did a lot of healthcare programming. And then uh, our largest accounts have always been uh, healthcare oriented. So either large hospitals, healthcare systems, clinics, donor networks, those kinds of things.
0: Alright, sounds good. So let's dig into this. When we're talking about service line marketing, when a client comes to you wanting to do a service line campaign, what are they generally trying to achieve? Is it an increase in utilization rates, enhancing patient satisfaction, both something else? What do you normally hear?
1: Yeah, I think that's a a good way to start because most of the time with a service line orientation instead of maybe a brand orientation, they really do want some kind of specific outcome. If it is utilization rates or if it's some other conversion that's easily measurable. That's what they're after, a specific benchmark. I'd also say that service line marketing can enhance your reputation and so really give you some specific information going out about a specific area uh, helps enhance what people believe about your organization. So I think anytime you look at utilization rates, that can be a little difficult because so much holistically affects the rate such as capacity or even how the phone is answered. You just have to be careful in how you look at utilization rates with any uh, campaign effort. But really, that's where the rubber meets the road. The hospital administrator, if they're worth their salt, they're going to ask, how many patients did we have yesterday? After you ran the campaign, how many do we have today?
0: So mainly it sounds like they're looking for kind of a direct response, but what you're saying is it can also help in even brand awareness too.
1: Absolutely, and I, I think that's the, the piece that sometimes is lost is, is how that really does enhance your overall reputation in a particular area.
0: So, Mark, tell us your approach at Amperage. What is your process when it comes to service line
1: marketing? Well, I think there's a couple of things I'd like to list up about the Amperage uh, service line marketing effort. The first is I don't believe that service line marketing should be the old definition of a campaign. It can be a traditional campaign at the start, but it's got to be a a truly sustainable effort. Everyone doesn't need a colonoscopy just during Colonoscopy Awareness Month. They need it all during the year. That month is great for awareness, but I think you've got to push that kind of effort 12 months out of the year. So you've got to drive the marketing the utilization could be higher and lower, depending on all kinds of outside influences, but there are people who are concerned about that every month. That's the first thing. The second thing tends to be we're more research-first and then digitally driven. We spend a lot of time on research. We allocate a lot of time to understanding competitors, and not just the hospital down the street, which is the easy one. I think really looking at that regionally-focused specialty centers, like for cancer or heart, even um, neurological care, they are all marketing to your audience either digitally or some are even doing regional cable buys. So there's a need to really understand what they're saying and then establish your differentiation based on, on that research.
0: I love that. Can you tell us more about that? What is your approach when it comes to research or what should we think of in terms of research before starting a campaign?
1: Well, first, I would do journey mapping to make sure that all the touch points are considered and and all the decision-making process that that patients go through and explore. You can do in-depth interviews with patients and non-patients. That's probably the best way to get at it, but also talking to nurses and physicians and really understanding how people come into the process, what's their decision-making, and then how do they finally make the decision of where to go. Then I would look at keyword searches. We found that Breast cancer is not the highest search term during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which is October, but in this particular market, it was April. That was the highest month for research online. And so you've got to look at that rate over the whole year. I'd have to say it was high almost the entire year, but there were two or three months that were much higher than the actual awareness. So that campaign of convenience needs to be replaced with really a campaign of, of search. And then the last thing I, I think I'd recommend people do is really a deep analysis of state, county data. There's a wealth of information about rates and, and the total diagnosed. And then if you get that potential pool, you can really extrapolate down to what is your true potential market share that you can achieve with your campaign. I think a lot of people just go in and say, we just want to get more patients, which is great, but you've really got to take a careful look at your particular area, and what is available that you could likely get in terms of a result.
0: That's really good. So journey mapping, do a keyword search. You even mentioned a campaign of search, and then all that great local information. So that helps you dial in that digitally driven campaign then?
1: Exactly. That's really the key. I mean, you can get this down to some really choice personas and, and really have a, a great insight into how to place a digital campaign, which you need. It's interesting. I just, when I knew this was coming, I saw that eMarketer had an article on the new media mix. And they said today it's around 37% digital, 63% traditional. And in just three years, they're anticipating that's going to be a 50-50 split. We're seeing that kind of increase. We're probably over the 37% area in terms of all of our clients. But I'd say that 50-50 split is looking uh, like it's coming faster than we anticipated.
0: Okay, got it. So when it comes to execution of the campaign, what should we pay attention to? And do you have a favorite digital marketing tactic that you like to use?
1: When it comes to the execution, I think you've really got to start with the end in mind. So what are those key goals that you really do want to achieve? What are the conversions then that lead to those goals? The second part is really the optimization of the campaign. If you're doing that kind of sustainable campaign we talked about over 12 months, you're going to find times when you really need to make changes because there could be ad fatigue and you could have made a landing page and it just didn't work as well. We've had some campaigns that in the mid middle of the campaign, we've been able to achieve a 40 to 50% lift in conversion, such as uh, watching videos, filling out email, or, you know, calling the clinic. And then what was the other question, Bill? uh, What is our favorite?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was just curious if you had a favorite digital marketing tactic that you like to use or one that you think works better than others. I know that's very subjective, but I'm just curious if you have that.
1: You know, it's, it's funny because they all work in different ways, and it's hard to gravitate to one or the other because you'll find, uh, we did a campaign where men were really engaged on Facebook. You wouldn't ever think of that, but men were, and women were more engaged in, in Google properties. And so you've got to be really mindful of all that to make sure that it's, it's really on target.
0: Right. So you mentioned conversions in goals. So how do you judge ROI and measure results?
1: That really goes back to the conversions and, and understanding what Google calls the micro moment and how all that fits. Many times, the actual revenue is not shared with us for whatever competitive reasons there might be or lack of transparency, so we don't always know what the return on investment is. We can figure out what the average revenue should be per patient in a particular service line, and we can do some trending that way. But I think if you are a sophisticated marketing professional working in a hospital, you should really know those numbers and be able to, to... know exactly how many patients came in. That's the only way you're really going to have a clear ROI. We'll put conversions in place that will lead you down a path toward a new patient, but until you actually can find out how many patients and then what their payer mix was, really what the revenue was on those patients, you're not going to have a clear ROI.
0: Okay. So as we know, marketing teams at a hospital can be very layered how do you work with your clients and, and function within the internal marketing team?
1: That is a that is a great question, especially <laughs> today. I mean, it, not that your other questions weren't good, Bill.
0: Oh, thanks, Mark. Uh-huh, thanks a lot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this, is, this is truly top of mind for marketing firms and consultants because it used to be you'd select an advertising agency and you'd call it, you know, the agency of record. And uh, my partner coined a phrase that I really like that we are now the agency of collaboration. <laughs> uh, we find in some large institutions, we may be one of four, one of six, one of eight vendors that are working in the marketing area. So we have to collaborate and work in teams, even with different agencies. That's hard to do. We do we do get along, but it's hard to do. The other thing is just really understanding the nature of, of marketing departments at, at healthcare organizations today as well. And many times there is a videographer there or there is a writer or there's a designer or there's a strategist. And so being able to work with them, becoming much more specialized in the areas that they need the most help in, that's that's typically how we work with with clients today.
0: Well, that makes sense. So I mentioned before you're my brother-in-law. We spend a lot of time together and we often talk about marketing. I know you're very good at this. Even when we're passing billboards, you'd be like, why are they doing that? So from your experience (laughs) – Tell us what errors do you see people making in service line marketing?
1: Well, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you didn't ask me like who's made those errors. Yeah, um, I would, I would say the number one thing is looking at service line marketing is just marketing. So much more needs to go into that: research, product development, customer service, the brand. You know, in this age of of what I like to call the proactive patient, meaning they don't call the doctor when they're hurting. They look up something online first, but then they call the doctor. You need so much more than just nice digital ads or nice billboards or something like that. You've really got to work on the holistic patient experience from beginning to end because if you do get them with an ad to call in to your clinic, you've got to make sure that the person answering that phone is making a great experience for them and getting them in as quickly as possible. I'd say another thing people do is the leap to tactics. Um, you know, it's so hard to get people to convince to do a service line campaign, and the minute you do, then they go, "We want to do billboard um, or bus bench boards or something like that." Right. We don't put a doctor on every bus bench board. I think you really got to you got to do something called get smart, then get creative. Creative is a lot of fun. Everybody likes to do the creative end, think about where things can go, but really you've got to do that research at the beginning. Because the consumer is is super savvy, and they are sophisticated, and they will do the research online even if you don't and can't make shortcuts. And and if I've got time, I'd like to add just one more, maybe. Oh,
0: please. You have plenty of time. It's my podcast. You have all the time in the world. Come on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think the third one is just the lack of testing and tracking. That would be a huge error in the digital age. You can do A and B. You can do A, B, C. You can do A, B, C, D. You can test your ads. You can test your landing page. You can tweak and do A, B test on landing pages. So it's so much more than a click-through world. you really got to work on these conversions. And, and so making sure that you really are testing everything and tracking everything uh, is critical for the success of these. We just had a recent campaign that achieved a 1,000 calls to the clinic. That wasn't one of the conversions, but it ended up being one at, at the end, and we were able to track it because people were calling from their mobile phones with the ad. And so with those 1,000 people now calling the clinic, how was that answered? <laughs> how were they handled afterwards? Were they followed up with after they called? Those Contesting all of those pieces, not just the ads themselves, really can can mean a lot to the overall experience and reduce the errors in any campaign like that
0: well that makes so much sense to have everybody on board know that campaign and you've talked about you know the front of the house from the person answering the phone how important that is and how easy i think that would be to forget and mark you just gave us some very tweetable moments there i love some of these the proactive patient i love that the don't leap to tactics And get smart, get creative. That's all good. Are you tweeting those out? You should tweet those out. And you should give yourself credit. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm going to steal them and I'm going to take the credit. So (laughs) Perfect. Okay, so last question for you before we get to the patented marketing mouse wheel of questions. If you could wrap this up for us, Mark, tie a bow on this thing. What is your overall advice for someone listening who is ready to start a service line campaign?
1: I'd say first, you know, starting with those clear, achievable goals and make sure that your administration agrees with those goals. It's just not awareness anymore. You've really got to have clear, concise, understandable goals. Walk through that journey map. Understand the conversions, how you're going to implement them. Develop your assets. Make sure you're enhancing your reputation as well as advertising a specific event. I'd optimize the campaign throughout, not just at the beginning. Don't, as I like to say sometimes, don't bet it and forget it. <laughs> you've gotta, you've gotta make the investment and then you've gotta follow that investment every month with A-B testing or, or whatever testing you might do. And finally, to go back to the beginning of that, understanding those goals, then understanding the ROI and then that way, uh, you can really report those to administration with, with a lot of confidence that, that you've done a great job as a marketing director.
0: I love that. Just great information, Mark. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. And there's another good one. Don't bet it and forget it. That's not something we would do at a sports book, would we?
1: Actually, that is advice for a (laughs) sports (laughs) book. Bet it and forget it because you've lost it most of the
0: time. I love it. All right, Mark. And now it's time for the Marketing Mouse Wheel of Questions. It's the game show marketers prefer two to one over the competition. All right, Mark, go ahead. Step up to the wheel. You get three spins. Go ahead and grab it and give it a good spin.
1: Here we go. Big money, big money. All right.
0: Okay. Coming to a stop. Here we go. All right. Good question. Mark, what's the most important marketing book you've ever read and why?
1: Good Lord. Um, there's, there's a lot of them. I'm just gonna say, uh, <laughs> why don't we pick the the ones that are sitting right here by my computer? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I can actually remember who wrote them. The first one is called Brain Fluence. It's written by Roger Dooley. It's called A 100 Ways to Persuade and Convince Consumers with Neuromarketing. I love neuromarketing. There's a great thing in there. If you do read it, there's a really good chapter called Counterfactual Reflection. And what's called the George Bailey effect. It's when you ask your team to really think of what the world would be like if you weren't there anymore. And it's really, it really, it drives bonding within your team, but it also makes you feel really good. <laughs> right. The second book I, that's sitting right here is, um, it's called Yes, 50 Scientifically Proven Ways to Be Persuasive. It's by Robert Cialdini and he's written tons of books like Influence and, and others. But if you read that book, there's a lot of discussion about social proof, and that will become huge in your marketing. So let me take an example of a college. If if a college shoots all these pictures of one kid walking into a building, that's not social proof that a lot of kids go there. And teenagers really want to see lots of people attending, right? They want to go be with lots of other kids. So these shots would not be a good example of social proof. You want to show that there's a lot of people involved, and the majority of the people are moving toward your organization. That
0: was a long love answer it. to a short question. Nope. Sorry about that. Oh, nope. good. No, we love books, and people love to read and get knowledge. And In fact, you've given me the Brainfluence book. It's right here sitting with uh, my little library of books. It was a great book, so thank you. And we're going to put both of those books up on the show notes page at marketingmouths.com. Okay, Mark, step up to the wheel. Give it another spin.
1: All right, here we go. I want bigger money this time, though, no, Bill.
0: <laughs> okay, here we go. Bigger money, bigger money. And it's coming to a stop. And if you could have any celebrity be your best friend, which celebrity would you pick?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I wonder if celebrities do make good friends. I don't know about that. I would pick any late night show host. Um If I had to pick one, I would be like a Stephen Colbert. Um, These people put on a great show night after night with consistency, great creativity, a lot of good story. They really want to build not only an audience, but build a brand. They don't do just that one movie a year or two movies a year and that's it. You know, they have to do something every night. It's grueling work, but I'm sure it's super rewarding. But think of, you know, given all our problems and the issues around creating content think how much content they have to produce and develop it's amazing and that would surely make an interesting friend
0: but if it's
1: some dead person i'd pick john wayne because i love western
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay i love that all right last spin here we go mark give it a good one
1: all right the wheel's getting huge (laughs) the wheel's getting heavy
0: Okay, coming to a stop and there it is. All right, Mark, in your years of marketing, what's the most important thing you've learned and why?
1: (laughs) That's a, wow. I would say one that I really uh, try to take to heart is a a phrase that a friend of mine told me and I'm going to, I'm going to personalize this to hospitals, but he, he said that good advertising makes the hospital look smart. Great advertising makes the patient feel smart. And I love that because a lot of times we just want to look smart, so we'll do these clever, quippy ads and, um, and think we're really doing our work. But really when you get down to it, striking that emotion with a patient is really what it's all about. It's much more indelible. So I would say making that patient feel smart is, is the best thing. So the great advertising makes the patient feel smart. Good advertising makes the hospital look smart. In. I love that. Yep. One more.
0: Yes, please.
1: <laughs> one more. Please. That comes Bring mind. it to like, me. It's stuck here on my computer right now. It's, and I don't know who said this either. It's clear is the new clever. And I think, again, it, it just goes back to we've been trying to make these, uh, you know, little clever catchphrase kind of ads. When, in fact, we should have been worried so much more about being easily understandable, easily actionable. Just abundantly clear, so that people can really understand what it is we're trying to say and be moved by it. And in the digital age, to me, that that, that phrase had never has never been more true at all.
0: I totally did I get any of those right,
1: Bill? Do I do I get any prizes or anything with my
0: <laughs> Yes, there will. I, I yes, I will gift you. Let me see. I'm going to go down to the wine cellar and I'm going to gift you something, and you're going to like all it. All right, I love. You're- I love parting prizes. Those are really You're nice. going to like it. I, I guarantee it. Great thought, though. You're, you're so right. We try to be clever so many times. And when clarity is much better, you know, there's that saying, if you confuse, you lose. So better to be clear right. than clever. Well, Mark, thank you so much. This has been great fun. If someone has questions for you or wants to inquire about working with Amperage, how can they connect with you?
1: I think that the best way would just be to email me at uh, mark. M-A-R-K, at amperagemarketing.com.
0: Excellent. And uh, you can contact me, too, because Mark has actually allowed me to have his cell phone number, believe it or not. So uh, I have that, too. (laughs) So you can contact me, and I'll get you guys in touch. Mark, thank you so much again uh, for your time today.
1: We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Always fun talking to my bro-in-law. The Marketing Mouse Podcast is brought to you by Dr. Podcasting. Reach new consumers through informative podcasts featuring your doctors and healthcare staff. Learn more at doctorpodcasting.com. I'm Bill Klaproth. Email me, Bill, at Dr. Podcasting with guest and topic suggestions. You can also hook up with me on all the socials. And i leave you with one of my favorite marketing quotes from Larry Weber people don't want to be sold. What people do want is news and information about things they care about. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Mouths podcast. I'm Bill Claproth. Thanks again.